Good morning. As we move into this day of celebration, I want to take us straight into the scripture passage for today. It's a continuation of the journey we're on as a church of moving through the Gospel of Luke. We're moving into chapter 8 today, and I invite you to uh, listen to God's word to us today. This is a a passage of scripture you may have read before. Uh, It's called the parable of the sower. Jesus says this, it says, When a great crowd gathered and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell on the path and was trampled on. And the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered for lack of moisture. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew with it and choked it. Some fell into good soil, and when it grew, it produced a hundredfold. As he said this, he called out, Let anyone with ears to hear listen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Lord, no matter who we are or how we walk in here today, whatever hopes, doubts, questions, aspirations, dreams, I pray that we would encounter you, the eternal living God in our midst, and that you would change us this morning forever. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So what I'd like to do today is I'd like to... um, um, take us on a a little journey that, for me, I've been thinking about for quite a while. Uh, This journey actually started before I came here to Covenant. It was uh, when I knew, it was about five years ago now, when I knew that I believed that God was calling me here. It was not public yet, but I was pretty certain it was happening, and I started needing to have some conversations with people because one of the things that occurred to me it should have occurred to me earlier, but it occurred to me after I felt like this was the call, was uh, I had never been a senior pastor of a church as large as Covenant before, and I probably should like think about that some before coming here, like what does that mean and what should you do? So I had some conversations with some people, very practical, helpful conversations. One of the conversations I had was with an individual who preached here this past November uh, named Tom Toole. Tom um, was the senior pastor at a large church in Houston called Memorial Drive Presbyterian Church. He was the, uh, also the pastor of Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. And Tom gave me some great advice. But one of the things he wanted to talk to me about, he said, now Thomas, at a larger church like Covenant, one of the questions you got to ask is, when you get there, how do you start meeting people? Like, how do you start like, getting to know folks? Because Sundays are just going to be a rush and a blur. And he was right about that. And he said, so how does that start happening? And he said, are there going to be like any smaller gatherings they told you you're going to go to? And I said, funny you should mention that because they've said that there are going to be, and there's going to be 25 of them. 25 gatherings in my first like five or six weeks here where I have the opportunity, I was told, to go spend my nights and weekends and every other waking moment having coffees with uh, 20 to 30 people from the church. And Tom goes, oh my gosh, that is amazing. I'm like, yeah, it's amazing. And he goes, no, what a great opportunity. And I said, really? And he goes, no, it's going to be fantastic. And if you know Tom, like, that's his default answer to everything. And so you're like, well, I, I, yeah, uh, I guess so. But, like, why is it going to be so amazing? He said, because if you approach it right, these gatherings will be where you can start learning the DNA of this community at a deeper level than you know it now. He said, you're going to have hundreds of people who come to these. And he said, what I'd like you to think about doing is how do you engage them? Rather than just meeting their names, like what are some questions that if you ask them might start illuminating more about this church? He said, let me give you some suggestions. 
So at all the gatherings, I took a series of questions that Tom Toole helped me to form. And at every single gathering, and many of you attended these gatherings, some of you hosted these gatherings, I got to interact with you. But in the middle of that interaction, I would ask you these questions. We had over 500 responses that we tabulated. And, and I want to walk through these questions today. What I'd like to do as we come to this day of celebration is we're going to review these questions. Both what we're going to hear is what we talked about and what your answers were four and a half years ago when we did this. But I also want you to think about not just what's changed or what stayed the same, but I also want you to think about these questions again now as we look forward. Because as we move into a new chapter here at Covenant, these questions are as important today as they were four and a half years ago, okay? So that's the journey we're going to take is through these questions and a review of where we were, where we are, and where we're going. Uh, the first question we're going to bring up here, and this is we, and we asked this at each and every one, and then we tabulated your responses. You wrote them down. Uh, what do you most love about Covenant? What do you most love about Covenant? And your answer was the preaching. <laughs> it, that, that was not the answer, but because I hadn't started yet. So, no, 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 that, that was not your answer. And in, this, uh, in this, uh, these answers, there was a clear winner. There was one answer that had over 90% of the responses. There was no silver medal winner. There was no bronze medal winner. There was no participation trophy for anybody. This was one answer that won. And the answer, of course, was family. Covenant is my family. These are the people that God has put into my life. Uh, it is not about a preacher. It is not about a program. It is not about a set thing that if it doesn't happen in Covenant, I'm going to take my toys and go play somewhere else. These people are who I do life with. These are the people that God has brought into my life. And I want to journey with these folks. That, of course, was like a most heartening answer for me because when we actually look at what the word church means, that is spot on for what the answer should be. The Greek word that we translate from the New Testament is ekklesia. That's the word in the Bible we translate as church. And when we think about church, we can think about a building, like this is a church. This is not a church. Uh, a church is not an institution. It is not a denomination. A church, biblically, is a community of people. So when we would say, what, is, what do you most love about covenant? And you said the people. That is what it's supposed to be. I hope in the four and a half years since we asked that first question, that answer hasn't changed. If it has changed... We've actually gone backwards a little bit, okay? So that was question number one. Question number two was a little different. Question number two, what worries you for covenant? And again, when we asked this question four and a half years ago, just like question number one, there was a clear gold medal winner and nothing else that gets, that gets mentioned in second, third, fourth place or participation trophy level. This was the debt on the Fellowship and Education Building, this building. Now, if you are newer to Covenant, like me, uh, you have a hard, if you came here since this building was built, it is hard for me and people like me to imagine this church without this building, right? But it was a really hard decision whether to build this building or not. And there were a lot of important questions that were asked in that. It was important that we asked the really hard questions. Um, like for me, it's hard for me to imagine this church without this building because this building is the centerpiece of our campus. And what I mean by that is seven days a week, this building is used more than every other building on our property put together. By this community and by the local surrounding community, this building is the centerpiece. It's hard for me to imagine how Covenant worked without it. But there were some hard questions. For example... When the discernment and then the decision made, was made to build this building, 
there was no senior pastor at the time. There was a transition that was between senior pastors, and there was, were a lot of smart people, and there were a lot of external voices that were going, that is not the time you launch into a project like this. That was one factor that some people were asking. Number two, for example, uh, this took place in kind of the roughly 2006, 2007, 2008 time period. If there's a little shudder that goes down your spine when you hear those years, that's because it was the worst economic recession that most of us have ever lived through. So is this the time to go into a a huge campaign when giving is already going to become more and more and more of a struggle? Those were legitimate questions that needed to be asked and thought through and prayed through. And third was that they knew that the price tag on this building was going to run, and it did, in about the neighborhood of $16 million. And while there were a number of gifted men and women who helped discern this and then led the campaign forward to get this going and get this done, the church knew if they did it, they were going to carry more debt than any other point in their history. And that's a, that's a significant question to, to wrestle with, right? In the first 50 years of covenant, this church had never carried more than a million dollars of debt. And, and, and they knew that if they went ahead with this project, that was not going to be the case. This would be more debt than the church had carried. So what's the thing to do? All those questions were important. But the leadership of this church and praying about it, they decided, no, God is calling us to do this. And so they moved into that period of time. And this building was used in the way it is now and built. Now, fast forward a bit to when I started asking you these questions four and a half years ago. This was kept coming up, though. What worries you for covenant? When I arrived four and a half years ago, and that's what I can speak about, personally, there was still about seven and a half million dollars of debt on this building that we were carrying year after year. What that meant was it was coming out of our operating budget, and at the time we were paying over $300,000 a year from our operating budget to just service the debt. So every year when we made our budget, the first thing we had to do was say, well, you take that off because Frost Bank is going to have that, and then we do ministry and mission with what comes next. And so what we said is, is that while we're grateful for this building, we need to do something with this. We need to launch into a a new campaign. So a few years ago, we started what's called the Opening Doors Capital Campaign. This was a a, a design and a hope to alleviate some of the, the campaign debt, I mean, some of the debt on this building. It was chaired by Charlie Betts. We had gifted men and women who were leaders that gave uh, leadership to this, and we decided to to launch into it. We didn't have a goal. I've never been a part of a campaign before that had no goal, Um, but it didn't need one, right? It's like if we raise a million dollars, it helps the budget. If we raise three million dollars, it alleviates the budget. If we raise five million dollars, it helps the budget even more. So whatever we get is going to be exciting, and we'll just see. What was cool was how the Spirit of God worked. The Spirit of God worked in all kinds of different ways, and we saw people respond in all kinds of different ways. Many of you responded in all kinds of ways, with prayer, with your sacrificial giving, with extravagant generosity. Some of you gave to the Opening Doors campaign who had given to the capital campaigns at this church for this building multiple times before, and yet you did it again, and you gave again and supported in that. There were new people to this congregation who heard about it, and then they decided to pledge, and they decided to give. We had people who joined the church in the last couple of years since the campaign quit being talked about, and they heard about it, and they said, well, we want to give. And so we started seeing the giving from this congregation just move up and up and up. At the same time, God unified the leadership of this church, and we had uh, the session that started getting involved and saying, well, if we have extra money as we go forward in an operating year, we're going to give on top of what we normally do to bring this down. We want to be a part of this effort. 
We saw the Covenant Foundation gave amazing leadership in this in several different ways and in several different times gave money and gave support and gave leadership. All these different leaders and elements in Covenant coming together, rowing in the same direction for this common cause. And that is what we celebrate today. That is the campaign closes and we now move into 2019. God has done a marvelous thing. And today you and I are debt free as a congregation for the first time in over a decade. This is, this is a hugely significant thing that God has done because this was the worry for our church clearly four and a half years ago. And like what we were just singing about, our, like our sins have been erased, the debt has been erased and is no more. So what would you answer today? As we start looking at what concerns you now about covenant, because I've got concerns, I'm sure you've got concerns. It's not that the concerns go away. But one of the things that we deal with when we remember and we celebrate on a day like today is that we don't face those concerns alone. We were so worried about something four and a half years ago that today is gone. God has been so good to us and done an amazing work. And so we hold those concerns with a sense of hope without the fear and the worry of what is going to happen because we know the one who has brought us to this point. Amen? And so we look forward and we, do, we need to ask ourselves now again, what is our worry? What are the things we need to be thinking about now today as a church as we look to the future? So that was question number two, which I think the answers to be would be far different than four and a half years ago. But that leads us to the third question. This is the final one. And I'd like you to think about this today and remember when we talked about this four and a half years from now. Third question and the final question we asked was this. What do you dream about 10 years from now for covenant? What do you dream about 10 years from now from Co for Covenant? And this was different. Remember first question number one, what do you love most about Covenant? Clear runaway winner. Number one, family. These people. This is what church is. Clear runaway number, answer for number two. What do you worries you? The debt. That would not say, this one was different because there were a lot of different answers to this. Now, to be totally transparent, the number one answer was, I would like for Covenant to be debt free in 10 years. But... There were a number of other responses. It was different from the other ones. And the number two category of responses was one that we labeled four and a half years ago, engagement outside our walls. There were people four and a half years ago in significant numbers that were going, what I dream about 10 years from now for covenant is that more and more people are hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ, the message of grace and love of God's truth, that people would be coming to faith and knowing God more and more in the city of Austin. And, and I want to be a part of, of, of moving beyond our walls with our mission giving and with our, uh, our partnerships in local missions and in international missions. And so what we did is, is we decided that, that we wanted to lean towards that value too, not just because you answered it, but because that's what the parable of the sower is about, what we read about before. There's so much that's been written and talked about with the parable of the sower, but what I loved about that scripture passage we read is that it's very hard, it's very simple what Jesus is saying. He's saying that the point of the church is to be sowing seeds beyond our walls, what you all called engagement with the world beyond our walls. You see, the church, just like individuals, we can make the, the, the mistake of thinking that we're the point, that we're the big idea. That is, we celebrate being debt-free today, that God is in heaven looking down and us going, oh, thank goodness, covenant is a healthy financial institution like it hasn't been in a while. That's the big point. Let's just celebrate that. God did not make the church just to be a healthy institution. 
The church exists, Jesus is saying, to sow more and more seeds out into the world that we want to lean in directions outside of our walls in all kinds of ways. So we said, well, let's build the opening doors campaign reflecting that biblical value like we see in the parable of the sower, and let's reflect the values that's already bubbling up at Covenant in all different kinds of ways. We want to be engaged outside of our walls. So we said, let's make some promises in the opening doors campaign to be faithful in this. What we said is, is that for the debt relief that came, whatever amount was given, there would be two primary things that would be done. Many of you gave hearing about this. I said, number one is that we are going to increase our giving to our local and international mission partners. And number two, we're going to create something new, the Institute for Missional Formation. And I want to end today just by telling you where we are with this, because these were not just words we said to raise money and then we move on to something else. This is what church is about living outside of our walls. Or as one of my mentors used to say, the church always has to remember it's the airport, not the destination. It's the airport, not the destination. This year, millions and millions of people are going to come and visit Austin, Texas. None of them are coming because they're enthralled with Austin Bergstrom Airport. None of them are like traveling here going, let's just hang out at Austin Bergstrom for like two days and then we'll fly back. It'll be awesome. Now, an airport is necessary for an urban center to thrive. The church is the airport, but it's not the destination. The destination is an an encounter with Jesus. The destination is the kingdom of God being built up in this world. We are the airport. We're not the destination. As as Daryl Guder said to us a few years ago in words that spoke powerfully to many of us, that covenant is to be a love letter from God to the city of Austin. Covenant is to be a love letter from God to the city of Austin. Engagement beyond our walls. So how are we doing in that? Well, let's look. Number one, mission giving. How has that changed as a result of the giving that you all have done? How are we involved in missions beyond our walls? Well, in 2013, our mission budget was $97,000. It represented about 3.5% of the budget of this church, and that had decreased uh, in the years uh, prior. Today, in 2019, in the budget the session has passed for this year, we are planning to give away $403,000 to our local and to our international mission partners around the city. That is an amazing thing to be a part of, and we have stepped forward in that. And that's not going to be the end. We want to keep going in that. We want to give that as a starting point and to keep building that in the years to come. But not just that missions is about money. We've also hired a new mission director, Whitney Bell, who is a home run hire to do this, to be getting more and more people involved in missions because mission is about more than just giving money away. We want to have on-ramps where our people are getting involved, and Whitney is going to help us with that in so many different ways so that even our personnel budget is starting to reflect more and more of this value of what the sowing of the kingdom is about. And lastly, we said we would create something new, the Institute for Missional Formation. And this is something different in the life of covenant because this is something that is leaning towards a future that we believe is coming, that we don't really know what it's going to look like or what to do. This is like a 50-year project, not a three-year thing where we have a lecture series and then say it's over. We build a curriculum and it's done. What we believe is that in a very short amount of time in this country, the church has decreased in significance and in um, uh, favor of, the, of our culture, uh, that the numbers are in decline. Just because we at Covenant are growing, we are, that is not something that we can act like is happening in churches around us. We are in a time of steep decline. So our vision statement, what we say is is that we're encouraging one another to follow Jesus where we live, work, and play. For hundreds of years in this country, the church has never thought about that stuff because it didn't need to. The church just thought, we're going to open our doors, we have a good preacher, and we have a good music program, people will come. 
That day is gone, and it's not coming back. They didn't think about where we live, work, and play because our assumption was that the people we live around, the people we work with, and the people we hang out with when we get to play uh, or, or play intramural sports or whatever, that those people, a lot of them go to church. It's the question like, what denomination are they a part of? We had a young guy that just joined our congregation recently that I was talking with, and, and he's a part of a tech startup company in downtown. They have about 60 employees in their company, and he was talking to me about it the other day of what it meant to be a Christian there. He said, oh my God, it's amazing in this company of 60 people, there's two other believers. He doesn't care what denomination they're a part of, it's just two. And he didn't say it as like a bad thing. He was like, is it amazing? There's actually two other people there. That do this. That is the world we are in today. And we are being asked to shelve our faith in more and more and more ways. And that too will continue. So what does it mean for the first time really in the history of this country to go, how do I follow Jesus in work? What does that look like? How do I follow Jesus in my neighborhood? What does that look like? And again, it's going to take more than a lecture series. We're going to have to think about how we shape and form our people in our own lives. So we've started a cohort program that today about 80 people are a part of going through a year-long process of commitment where we are seeking how God shapes us and forms us, not just so that we feel special ourselves, but so that we go out into the world serving as his witnesses in our own integrated, authentic ways. We're going to be having, furthermore, uh, Dr. Mark Roberts, who's going to be with us in May. Mark is someone who knows this church. He was the former director of Laity Lodge. He um, worked with the HEB Foundation. He's now out in Pasadena, California, working with the Dupree Center. And he's been working with executives at Apple and other places, asking the question, what does it mean to work at Apple as an executive and to be a Christian? How do you think about that? And Mark's not giving a lecture series. He's learning. He's, he's listening. He's in conversation and dialogue. And Mark's going to be here for a weekend in May to talk with us about that, to ask in Austin, Texas, what is that like? What do you struggle with? What do you think about? What are the things that we at the Dupree Center are learning that we might just interject to, to have in our thinking? Because we're going to need to spend like decades to come rethinking how we are sent from this place. That church is not a place we come to just feel filled up and I love God and God loves me and then I go. But that we go out to our schools and our neighborhoods and our places of work going, this is what it means for me to live a life of purpose of following God and of influencing the world around us. The Institute is going to be where we continue to try to find ways to ask those questions and to sit in those places and to wonder about that and to learn from that together. And that too is, is on the move and growing and will continue to do so in the years to come. What do you dream about 10 years from now for covenant? Well, answer number one that we gave is no longer applicable. Debt. My hope is that answer number two vaults to the forefront and becomes an obsession for us as a church. What does it mean to engage with the world outside of our walls? What does it mean to celebrate being an airport where people are hearing the gospel and their lives are being changed? What does it mean to be a love letter from God? in the city of Austin, and to see this place look different because we are here, that if Covenant Presbyterian Church went away, it wouldn't just be us who are upset, but the Allendale community and North Austin and all of our neighbors would rise up and say, no, we need these people here because our city will be different if they are gone. That's what we're called to be. That's God's big idea that we want to step towards. And I am grateful that we get to step towards it together. As we look to what lies ahead with hope and expectation of what is to come, what a great day to be a part of this community of faith together. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's pray. Lord, we ask this day you would lead us and guide us as we step boldly into the future you alone have for us. 
We pray for your leading, your guiding, and we worship you alone. You, the one who has brought us to this point, all praise and honor and glory are to you. And you who will take us into what tomorrow holds. It is in you alone that we trust. We give thanks and praise this day. In Jesus' name, amen.